Hello and welcome to Feed, Play, Love with Joe Ryan from Baby Bliss. Hello, Joe. How are you? Hi, I'm well, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, so what we're doing um, at the moment is we're bringing in a few other experts into Helpline, experts that are currently part of the Babyology Sleep School. Joe is one of those experts, but we have spoken to Joe on Feed, Play, Love many times, and she is helping families all across Australia help get their babies to settle and sleep and all kinds of things. How are you going in lockdown there, Joe? Oh, look, we're okay. Yeah, you know, um, just uh, doing what we're supposed to be doing, doing lots of cooking and eating, you know. Oh, yeah. And working together in a very small environment, which is proving to be interesting. <laughs> oh, I totally appreciate that. But I've got to say one of the nice things is to actually see your face because you're in Melbourne now and we used to see you all the time in Sydney, but you've been in Melbourne for ages. So thank you so much for joining us for this webinar to help our audience. And happy Easter as well. Happy Easter to everyone listening. So the same um, goes for Helpline today in that the way you can get in touch to ask Joe your questions is to either pop your question below in the comments below. If you're listening to this podcast, unfortunately, Joe won't be with us next week. It'll be Chris, but we'll take your questions through email and answer them next week. But we do have some questions from email to answer today with Joe. And I will start with one of those. This is from Sarah. Joe, she says, can I have some feedback in relation to my eight-week-old daughter? She's currently on a three-hour cycle of sleep and feed at night. A little bit of background. She was born at 37 weeks at 2.4 kilos and is now 3.9 kilos. Um, she's wondering if this will affect her sleeping pattern. She's just wondering when she might be able to expect the sleep cycle to stretch out to four hours because, of course, with breastfeeding, she's uh, mum Sarah's only getting two hours sleep at a time after breastfeeding. And yeah, look, it's it is tricky. Little babies will often just do three hourly cycles for a while, um, but the first um, sort of, I guess time that that does start to extend is nighttime generally so I would suggest to Sarah I mean she's still a little tiny wee baby at only under four kilos but she's eight weeks so she's sort of you know been around for a little while now but you know tiny babies do need regular feeding um, but so my recommendation would be to Sarah to keep feeding regularly three hourly in the day and then hopefully overnight she will naturally start to push that out a little bit so maybe have one period where it might be five hours but then go back to three you know that's normally what happens they sort of do they start to do a longer stretch maybe in the evening so you know maybe from you know eight till midnight or eight till one or two they might sort of start to stretch out then but then require sort of that three hourly feeding after that but so yeah I would not let her go longer than three hours in the daytime so you can make sure that she's getting plenty of food plenty of milk in the day so then naturally she will start to stretch out a bit more at night time. When is it reasonable to expect babies that are that small to sleep longer at night? I mean, I don't want to put the fear of God into Sarah, but my children didn't sleep well at, for long stretches at night until they're about nine months old. Yeah, well, I think, look, 
they're all different and some babies will naturally just be great sleepers at night and they will just from about six or eight weeks just start to, you know, increase their sort of stretch overnight. Um, I mean, remember, they've got tiny, tiny tummies too. So, and, and depending on the amount of milk they're getting and whether what sort of, you know, how much their body, how fast it metabolizes that. So it's, there's a whole lot of things at play. But generally, um, you know, from about once a baby hits about six kilos, you know, um, then things, uh, they can start to sort of drop down to maybe two feeds a night, you know. That's so interesting that you say that because it's about their weight and their size as opposed to their age, which makes complete sense. Yeah. I mean, look, there's a few different things at play, like I said, but generally what they would look at was the weight, you know, so six kilos is a good milestone and then eight kilos for kind of dropping down to, you know, eight kilos plus eating solids plus being over six months, you know, kind of you can go, theoretically, they should be able to go with no feeds a night, you know, but that we know that that's not true, you know, (laughs) still require a feed, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, good luck with that one, Sarah. This one comes from Mel on the email. Mel has been in touch with uh, us before because she's got a 17-month-old. I think she got in touch when her little one was only 16 months, but um, they've been co-sleeping, I, I believe, since the beginning, so for a long time. So she's definitely ready to have her 17-month-old sleep in his cot. So currently they're co-sleeping. Um, she says she may even start trying over this long weekend so her husband won't be too tired. So this is an email. So Mel, if you've started, I hope it's going well. But she says, um, when my son has woken at 10.30 p.m. recently, I tried feeding him in his room and then put him down in his cot, but he stood up and cried. I picked him up and cuddled him back to sleep, or so I thought, and gave him a comforter. Put him down and he woke up and cried again. We left him to cry for a while. Then my husband gave it a go, but it didn't work that time either. Next thing we know, it's midnight and we're over it. So we brought him back into our bed. I've also started to give him a dummy. He kind of likes it, but I don't think he overly uses it as he knows he can use me as his human dummy all night long. Even in the night when we've been co-sleeping, I have tried putting a dummy in his mouth, but he rejects it. How can I get him back to sleep in his bed? Is it just leaving him to cry until he falls asleep? Ouch. (laughs) He's been able to feed with me all through the night, so I think this is going to be a hard habit to break, unfortunately. And how do I even know if he actually does need a feed? Note, he can put himself to sleep at night. For his day nap, he usually cries but will fall asleep. And he has slept through the night once and didn't wake until 7.30 a.m. And sometimes he slept through to 4 4 or 5 a.m. So basically, I think with this little one, when he co-sleeps with his mum, he just feeds all night from her. And that's proving to be quite challenging. Yes. Look, you know, he's quite old now, like at 17 months old. So, you know, we know that he doesn't actually need to be fed during the night for, for food or for nutrition. So it's more comfort than anything and the longer we do that, the, the more sort of cemented that association becomes. So I think, look, I think it's a good plan to sort of, you've got to remember that we've got to be consistent, you know, too, when we're trying to change a habit that's been or, you know, a routine that we've established for a long time. So, um, 
I think when you decide to do something as big as this, because this is a big change for him, um, to kind of really stick with it, because the problem is if we sort of start and then we stop and we go back, what happens is that they just get really confused about what to expect, you know, like, you know, what's happening at night, you know, is she going to feed me? Is she going to leave me to cry? Is she going to, you know, so often the sleeping becomes worse because they get it, particularly at this age where there's also quite a bit of separation stuff going on. So they get a bit hypervigilant and that's probably what's happening when she's talking about trying to put him down and then he's waking up really frequently because they're like, you know, they're very hypervigilant. Things have changed. You know, I'm not in her arms anymore. So look, my recommendation would be, um, so, yeah, get him in his own cot. Don't leave him to cry on his own. You absolutely don't have to do that. But don't feed him, you know, rather than feed, just soothe him back to sleep, you know. And you can do that however works. Ideally, we, we, you know, he would fall back to sleep with him in his cot. But for the first couple of nights, she could pick him up and cuddle him and soothe him and just be aware that, of course, he's not going to like this because it's a massive change, you know, um, and he's very used to, he would have a very strong association with feeding and sucking. So the dummy could help. Um, but you know, he's, of course, the dummy is very low on the scale compared to mum's boob or, you know, cuddling with mum or sleeping next to mum. So he's not going to be happy with that either, but he may ultimately take it as a, you know, substitute. But so I would, and just be aware that, just know that it might go on and on for a while. So he might wake right up and it might, it usually takes a couple of hours when they're wide awake in the middle of the night to get them back to sleep. But he will always, always go back to sleep, you know, eventually. So you just have to see it through. And that's the hard part. But knowing, like arming yourself with the knowledge that, yeah, it can take a really long time. Yes, he will always go back to sleep. I don't have to leave him on his own. I can be with him and soothe him and comfort him and reassure him the whole time you're there. You know, he's awake. And know that then the next night it will be much easier, you know, because he will go, oh, okay. I didn't need the boob. You know, something just clicks in their little brains that go, oh, okay, I don't need to do it that way. So it might go from two hours awake the first night to 40 minutes the second night to five minutes the third night. Like it does reduce dramatically, but we've got to be really consistent so he understands what's going on and the change. Yeah, it's so hard, isn't it? It is really hard. And then, you know, obviously co-sleeping with your child is lovely and it you know, it's been going on a long time and he is at an age where there's also the separation stuff going on as well. So that's why it's, you know, probably not a great idea to leave him. Not that I would recommend you do that anyway, but, um, you know, just be there for him. But after, you know, once he's getting it, then I would start to sort of leave the room, you know, so that he gets used to you. You can go in and out, like obviously don't leave him to cry, but if he's happy, then you could leave, you know, and then if he gets distressed, go back, reassure him and then leave again and do it that way so that he starts to get used to, um, you know, being in there on his own and not feeling afraid of that. Yeah. Okay. So in in it for the long haul. That's right. It's Just a bit of a process. Yeah. 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 Um, this is an email from Sarah. She says, I have a two-week-old baby girl who was born at 38 weeks, weighing just 2.6 kilograms. She spent five days in a special care nursery at the hospital as her size meant that she was too tired to feed properly, so had trouble stabilizing her glucose levels, and they were worried about her gaining weight. 
When we left the hospital on day seven, they had us waking her for breastfeeds every three hours and she gained 60, kilo, 60 grams on her birth weight. By the end of the week, a week at home with us, she began waking herself for feeds. And so now we've shifted to feeding on demand. She now feeds anywhere between every two to four hours for anywhere between 10 to 40 minutes. We never let her go for more than four hours without waking her. In the last few days, she's begun to get fussy at one or more of her feeds per day. She will feed happily on one breast for 20 minutes or more, but then suddenly it's as if she becomes impatient and demands more food, but latches and then rejects the breast moments later, pushing it away while mouthing and searching again for the nipple, eventually becoming agitated and crying or screaming. I have tried burping her and reattaching, switching breasts, swaddling and then feeding, settling her so she's not stressed and then reattaching, but nothing works and this can go on for one to two hours, making midnight feeds awful. My milk supply seems fine throughout the day and and if I express. At her two-week checkup earlier this week, she had gained 120 grams in four days at home. Any advice you would... Would be most welcome for this first time anxious mum. I hate seeing her distressed, but I'm also at a loss to do uh, of, at what to do when she's like this. Yeah, well, it's hard to know what might be going on, but obviously something is not working for her. So she might be having a bit of a growth spurt, you know, being sort of almost three weeks old. And um, so often they get really hungry and sometimes they, you know, if she's latching on and it's not coming fast enough, you know, the letdown. Um, they will come off and get really distressed or it's, so you know, so something's not working. So either it's not, it's, there's not enough, you know, so she's taking off what she, what's there and then there's not enough. Um, so if that's the case, then I would definitely be swapping sides, but making sure that you swap back, you know, to the first side to finish the feed and make sure that she's getting um, all the milk from at least one side because often sometimes too if it starts to slow and they're hungry they'll get a bit fussy as well um, so it's just a bit of trial and error like um, these periods of growth spurts you know is when um, we need to keep putting them on keep putting her on so the the message gets to your brain that you need to make more milk so usually it's about 48 hours of you know and then things will increase, your milk supply will increase and then things will settle down again, you know, she'll be satisfied. So I would recommend um, to not let her go more than three hours without a feed in the day. So don't let her kind of stretch out to four hours. I'd just be feeding her anyway, you know, just to make sure that she is and also for your milk supply to make sure that it's getting, you know, it's getting that message that your brain's getting the message that it needs more milk. Um, but also just sort of making sure that she's, um, you know, it, that watching her feed. So, you know, does she look like she's hungry, you know, um, or is perhaps she gulping? Like, is it coming out too fast? And if that's the case, then, you know, you can lead back a bit when you're feeding or you can express off a little bit at the beginning so that it's not shooting out, you know, into her mouth and that can often frighten them and give them a bit, you know, and then they won't go back on, you know. So there's a lot of things going on, but I would recommend that if, you know, if after another 48 hours things haven't settled down, that perhaps she goes to her maternal and child health 
clinic and just get someone to have a look because um, often it's a good idea just to see what's going on and what the baby's doing and make sure that the latch is fine and everything's okay. With regard to that weight gain, she, she mentioned that um, she'd gained 120 grams in four days at home. Is that, that's still a decent amount, isn't it? Like she, oh, that's that... fine. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good amount. So that I, it sounds like she's getting, you know, plenty of milk but the thing is that they have these growth spurts and she was early wasn't she yeah yes, she, was. she was early so often what will happen is they'll just go and have this massive big growth like hunger on like I'm really mm-hmm. hungry all of a sudden when they start to wake up a bit so that could be what's going on so you know she might even require two hourly feeding in the day just to kind of get her through this little period of um, hunger um, so for Sarah, uh, and then, you know, if she does that during the day, like say two to three hourly feeding in the day, you might find that she settles down in the evening. You know, remember the evenings are hard for babies too. You know, we have that witching hour, which, um, you know, no one really knows what's going on, but you know, also milk drops off your milk supply drops off as the day goes on. So if she's got anything that she's expressed off, you know, you could also offer her that in a bottle just, you know, to see if she is hungry, you know, if she won't go back on the boob, maybe offer her 20 mils in a bottle of express breast milk and see whether she's, that's what's going on, you know, and that's not wind or she doesn't have a tummy pain. Uh, This question comes from Marion, who's watching on Facebook at the moment. Hi, Marion. She says, um, my baby is three months. I've tried to breastfeed, but she doesn't take my milk and cries a lot. I'm worried my milk is going to stop because I want to feed her with my, my milk. What can I do to increase the supply? Okay. So, uh, yeah, I don't know why she, so does she say that she, she won't take her milk? Um, I think it sounds like she she's yeah she's saying it do, the baby doesn't take her milk and cries a lot so maybe it's an attachment thing yeah so there are things you can do obviously if the baby will not go on to the boob then you can express and give her the milk in a bottle okay and that might be um, an interim sort of thing to do just while some babies do weird little things, you know, and they reject the boob for, for whatever reason. And sometimes it can be, again, those things like this, it's coming out too fast, it's coming out too slow, um, you know, it's just not, the conditions just aren't right, she might have to work too hard for it, you know, that sort of thing. So in the interim, I would suggest to Marion to, yeah, if, if there's any milk left in, at the end of, you know, and she's not taking it all, then express that bit off and keep it and give it to her in a bottle um, and to keep expressing every three to four hours, particularly in the first part of the day, just so she can keep her supply up. But I would always put her on, um, make sure she's, at, you know, offering it to her when she's hungry you know, and that might not necessarily mean when she's just woken for a feed. It, it might mean, you know, to give her a 10, 15, 20-minute play before wait till she's showing you that she's hungry and then offer it to her because um, often if we're just offering the boob just because they've woken from a feed, they're not, sometimes they're just not ready, particularly from about three months on, they start to be able to, they're not waking from hunger so much, you know, Um so, yeah, that's what I do. But I would keep, to, to keep the supply up, I would definitely be expressing off the milk that she's not taking and obviously offering her that or keeping a supply in the fridge but offering her a feed from a bottle if she's not taking it from her, yeah. 
Okay. Good luck with that, Mariam. This one comes from Samara. She says, I'm wondering if it's normal for my five-month-old formula-fed baby to be grunting whilst uh, when pooing constantly. He's, he usually poos every three or four days, but the last day seems to be grunting constantly and pooing just mushy little poos. And she says, sorry for the grossness. <laughs> Um, well, there's no delicate way to talk about poo, is there really? Um, so, look, grunting is not uncommon. You know, there's a, some babies are just grunters, you know, and if he's a big boy, you know, it, it's just um, often they've just, you know, they've just got more wind or they're just, that's just the way they are. And sometimes formula can cause a bit more extra grunting, I guess. Um, and, you know, Every pooing every three days, as long as that's happening, I find that with babies like that, they tend to be more grunty um, as they're getting closer to the pooing day, you know, <laughs> so that the day that they poo is quite a grunty day and then they'll poo and then they'll be okay for sort of 24 hours and then it starts to build up again. So, you know, it's not ideal going every three days, you know, ideally we'd prefer them to go every day. Um, but as long as it's not, as long as he's not straining to poo, and it's it's not causing him distress. Um, if it's soft, it sounds like it's soft by her term, by her word, mushy. <laughs> so as long as it's soft and not hard little pebbles that he's really straining to get out, then I don't think it's a problem, and it is something that they grow out of, particularly when they start eating food, proper food take on a whole different world <laughs> then something to look forward to yeah that's right so I, I would think of it's okay as long as like the, those things so he's not straining it's not causing him distress they're not hard little pebbles okay so uh we probably have time for maybe one or two more questions but this one comes from kate she says hi is there any point trying uh night toilet training for want of a better word for a four-year-old whose nappies are very wet each morning how do i start working towards nighttime dryness oh okay kate well i wouldn't i wouldn't worry i wouldn't start now if the, if the nappies are that wet because that's you know that's just going to be a world of pain for her <laughs> And a whole lot of changing beds in the middle of the night, which is no fun for everyone. Four is still reasonably young, you know. I mean, some kids, does it sound like it's a boy? He's a boy, girl? Does she? Uh, it doesn't say, no. Like um, generally, and this is just very general terms, boys can be a bit longer for getting the nighttime, um, the night sort of... Um, uh, toilet training sorted so I would wait till those nappies were a little less heavy but also maybe just watch how much water they're drinking before they go to bed because obviously we all we need to wee if we're drinking a whole big thing of water or milk before bedtime so just make sure maybe cut that out and maybe start by you know restricting fluid and fluids from about sort of four or five in the afternoon, like after dinner, and so that there's no sort of really big drink before bedtime. Um, make sure that um, they do a wee on the toilet before they go to bed. <clears throat> and, you know, she could always also, you know, um, start by maybe getting them up when she goes to bed and just doing, a, a you know, a, a little wee, getting them to do a wee before 
um, at that time, so 10.30 or something at night as well, can help. But, I, I mean, I think I, I wouldn't stress, you know, these things all happen and some kids get it really easily and others take a lot longer, you know. So um, you can start by doing a few little things and see what happens and, you know, I'd wait till those sort of nighttime nappies for a little less. Cool. Okay, this would be our last question. It's from Sarah. She says, my 18-month-old bangs his head on things when he gets upset or doesn't get his own way or when I say no. He's my sixth child and my fourth boy and the only one who has done this, so I'm a bit lost. He repeatedly smashes his head on the floor, wall or even my head, also on the car seat or pram side rails. The doctor says to ignore it, but I'm concerned as he isn't slowing down at all. It's like he does it harder and harder to make himself make himself cry worse. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Um, well, I mean, the thing that I would do is just sort of I would protect him from doing that. So I would be cuddling him and hugging him and just, you know, telling him that we don't do that, you know. I mean, he's 18 months old, so he should understand, you know, but... Um, you know, it's an age of children starting to, you know, toddlers starting to assert their independence and, you know, he's in a big family and so perhaps he's trying to, you know, find, you know, kind of get some attention or whatever it might be, but that's just normal, you know, that's what toddlers do. They try to, so, but they all do it different ways. So I would just be taking him and, and hugging him while he's feeling like that because, there's no point punishing that sort of behaviour or, you know, um, kind of excluding them or whatever because often that just makes the behaviour worse or they find something else to do. So we've got to understand that, you know, there's something going on when toddlers behave or act out a certain way and they're often just looking for you and looking for they need something so I would just recommend to just be holding him close to me so he can't hurt himself um, and wait till that moment passes and then hopefully he will grow out of it at some point yeah Mm, definitely well thank you Joe, so much for all your help today and um, thanks for joining us on your Easter Monday did you get any chalky eggs I didn't even ask you uh we didn't do eggs as such we had chocolate though (laughs) Good. I'm glad you didn't miss out. Well, thank you for that. And um, that is all we have time for. So thank you for your questions. Um, If you missed out on getting your question in, don't forget, Joe is available on Babyology Sleep School. There'll be links with this episode. You can go in and book a one-on-one session with Joe. If you'd rather wait and ask your question next week, Chris will be back and you can join us on Facebook again at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, or you can now send your question to helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Joe, and I'll see you next week. Bye. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time. <laughs>